Good to see you. It's good to be worshiping with you. Love you all. We're in a season this summer called Theology for Everyone because we believe theology is for everyone. Theology is not for uh, pastors. It's not for professors. It's not for uh, theologians from the 1800s who have the last name Luther or Calvin. Theology is for everyone, okay? Because if we're a Christian, then we have thoughts and beliefs about God, and we have to know what those thoughts and beliefs are so that we're living on a foundation of something rather than a sand of nothing, right? So theology is for everyone. Whether or not you believe it, you are a theologian today. You're a theologian today. You excited about being theologians? Man, you're not. You're not. You're like, what have I gotten myself into? I don't want to be a theologian. Aren't they old, crusty, and boring? No, because you're a theologian today. Because theology is for everyone. Come on, theology is for everyone. We have to know what we believe. We have to have the right belief. It has to create in us the right heart so that we have the right practice. Right? Orthodoxy orthopathy, orthopraxy. We have to have the right belief, and the right belief will create the right heart, and the right heart will create the right actions. We'll start living out our faith, okay? Every week, we start uh, with a doctrinal statement of sorts uh, from Scripture just to kind of give us a clear foundation of what we believe. Uh, Social media lied to you, by the way. Imagine that, right? You're like, no way. Everything on social media is true, right? Uh, It said theology for church was today. Today is theology for scripture. I believe next week is church and the following week is God when we have our kids in with us as well, okay? So it's theology of scripture today. Let's figure out what on earth we believe about this book. Are you ready? Okay. Take your word for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come at some things today. And I just wanna give you fair warning, uh, and that's probably nothing new, but if you feel uncomfortable today, you should. Because I think this is, it, it just, my goodness, it doesn't get much clearer than we hold in our hands the word of God for living out the mission of God, and yet we know nothing of what it says. It kinda, I told you, like, oh, man. It drives me a little nuts. It drives me a little nuts that we run around declaring the name of Christ and profess to be Jesus-following people, and we have literally no idea what that means outside of what someone on Instagram told us. So we have to know what we believe about Scripture because this is the clearest, loudest, and most complete word that we have from God on what we believe. Let me read you a doctrinal statement. We believe the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is divinely inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit to human authors as the revelation of God to man and serves as the perfect instruction for Christian living, faith, and mission. Divine inspiration extends equally and fully to all parts of the original writings, ensuring their trustworthiness, okay? In other words, Scripture is God speaking to us through human words inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
and written here in a collection of books. Let me read you a few passages of scripture where we build that doctrinal statement from, okay? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. This is the central verse when it comes to the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It does two things. It tells us what is true and it shows us what is wrong. Now, if we don't consult it to find out what is wrong, then we're gonna be blind to what is wrong, right? Because if the work of scripture is to show us, one, uh, what is true, and two, what is wrong, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Back to the start of verse 16. All scripture, that means all. You want the Greek on that? It's all. It's all-encompassing. It's every word. Jesus says not one jot or tittle. He's saying not one comma, not one apostrophe, not one small detail of this book will pass away. Every word of it is inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit to human authors as God's word to us. Isaiah 55:11 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize, this is Paul, that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. Paul is saying, as an author, I know where this is coming from. That's important to understand. Even the authors of scripture knew where scripture was coming from. They knew exactly, he said, this is, this is the word of God himself. I know what I'm saying and I know what I'm writing because it's come to me directly from the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. This is not just mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. That's our first theological decision. Is this the very word of God? Because if it is the very word of God, then it's the foundation of what we believe, how we carry out mission, and how we live a life of faith. John 17, 17, Jesus says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an overview of the Bible, of just what the Bible is, how it's been put together, how it's structured. After that, I am going to give you a very brief, very quick apologetic on how we, uh, what we can stand on to believe that the Bible is true, okay? It's not exhaustive, but what I hope it does is it sparks an interest in you to research more, and then we're going to build a theology, okay? All right, one, let's go, finally, thank you so much. Here's an overview of the Bible, all right? The Bi and by the way, if you have the sermon notes, if you go to our app and planning center and click sermon notes, you're gonna have a bunch of what I'm talking about here inside of those notes as well. It's, it's essentially, I just copy and paste what I'm talking about here and put it in sermon notes for you to have, okay? Here's an overview of the Bible. The Bible was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and a touch of Aramaic, over a period of more than 1,500 years by more than 40 authors from different ages and backgrounds on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. There are 66 books 
in the Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. The Bible, we have to understand, the Bible is a library that creates one book. It's many books that create one book of continuity and unity that tells us the story of God and him reconciling his people back to us through Jesus. You've got to remember this. The Bible is not a textbook. The Bible is a storybook. The Bible is telling you the story of God. He's telling you the story of creation. In fact, I'll walk you through the the collections of the books as they break up, because it's important to know what collection you're reading when you're reading scripture. There is the law, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy, okay? That is how it all started from creation to the formation of Israel. There is history books, that's Joshua through Esther, and that is Israel becoming God's people, okay? So when you read through those, you understand the history of Israel becoming God's people. There are poetry books, that's Job through the Song of Solomon. That is really like the Enneagram 4's interpretation of faith and life, okay? So God loves Enneagram 4's as well. He included you all into the thing, right? So he wanted, it's, it's creative, it is poetic, it includes the Psalms, and then we have books of prophecy. That's Isaiah through Malachi. There's major prophets and there's minor prophets, and it is God speaking to his People. And then we move into the New Testament. And the New Testament has the Gospels. That's Matthew through really Acts. I include Acts in that as well because Acts is really just Luke volume two. Okay, so the Gospels are death, burial, death, no, birth, life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Okay, that's where the Gospels stop. It is birth, life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And then Luke picks up ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit, what life looks like after Jesus has ascended, launch of the early church, okay? So that's what you have, Gospels, Matthew through Acts, and then the rest of the New Testament is comprised of letters. That's Romans through Revelation. There are general letters, Pauline letters, and apocalyptic letters for the church. Confused yet? You gotta know what section you're reading so you know how you're interpreting scripture. And I love how scripture starts and how it ends. If we take the very first verse and the very last verse of scripture, we get the total picture of what the Bible is. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We start with God creating and we finish Revelation 22, 20 through 21. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Our reply, amen, come Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Okay, so you have start with creation, end with the coming of Jesus, Everything in between is God creating, Jesus saving, the Holy Spirit empowering, and Jesus returning, okay? That is the story, if you will, the story arc of the Bible. Okay, one more thing, and then we're going to be there. I'm going to give you an apologetic now. What that means is a defense of how do we know the Bible is true, and I promise if you'll stick with me, the theology part is going to make a lot of sense. Uh, And this, like I said, this is not exhaustive. This is for you to be inspired to study. How do I really know the Bible is true? Um, I'm going to give you four, four kind of areas that, that most people would check to see if something is true. Not even with scripture, but here's, here's where we would start. One is with historicity. 
So the history of the Bible, archaeology, early manuscripts within 100 years of the original writings, historical artifacts, geographical accuracy, um, all confirm history's context. In fact, there are atheist archaeologists that say it's really hard to argue with the context of the Bible. When you read the geography, you've traveled throughout Africa, Asia, and Europe, and you know the locations that they're talking about, it's really hard to deny these people were in these locations traveling these lands. This is the most convincing to me. It's continuity. I think it's, it is, outside of a Holy Spirit inspiration, there's no possible way this can happen. Uh, number one is the fulfillment of prophecy uh, is just, it, there's 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. That means something that the Bible predicted, 2,000 of them have come true. 500 of them, around 500 of them revolve around the end times. These have been proven over thousands of years with acute accuracy. Take the birth of Jesus, for example. Micah 5.2 says Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. 500 years later in the book of Matthew, we understand Jesus was in fact born in Bethlehem. That's one of thousands of examples. But I mean, here's another part of this, okay? The Bible is 66 books, 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years. And you just heard first verse, last verse, the continuity and unity of scripture is unbelievable. It's just hard to argue with. You guys are all going to leave here and half of you are going to hear something different than the other half that heard. And you're going to try and tell each other about it and you're going to have things you're like, well, no, I thought he said this. Well, I thought he was talking about this. He didn't even say that. What are you talking about? Yet the Bible over the course of 1,500 years of 40 different authors played telephone throughout the years and it's completely unified in continuity from first verse to last verse, from creation to Jesus returning. It just sweeps through that period of time. You can only have that by the Holy Spirit's power and inspiration. So continuity to me is, is tough to argue with. Um, there is scientific evidence. Now listen, I know we live in a world where everyone's following science now, right? And, and science has become the antithesis of faith. That's the, the same people who failed, you know, freshman chemistry. But who's, who's keeping score, right? Uh, it's, it's like pick your scientist, you know, we'll find your scientist. But some of the earliest claims, there was a time when psychology, science, philosophy, and spirituality were all intertwined for spiritual formation. I think there's a return to that. But if you read some of the earliest claims of science came from scripture. I'll read you some of them that were listed. It is the round earth, law of mass and energy, atmospheric circulation, gravitational pull, and much more. In the book of Job, uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, has a lot of scientific references. Proverbs has a lot of scientific references as well. Great place for you to study if you are a follower of science, science in the Bible. Last is this, divine impact. I don't know that anything has changed more lives. Um, I don't, I'll, I'll personalize it. Nothing has changed my life more than scripture. Nothing has changed my life more. Nothing has transformed my heart. Nothing has turned me from a tight wound, angry, easily explosive young punk kid to a more mellow, explosive, wound up adult 
right? Nothing has, nothing has softened my heart more. Nothing has met me more in my time of need. Nothing has satisfied my soul more. It's a universal all-time bestseller, and there's not a book that's even close to the Bible because it changes lives, because it is living and active. It is the divine word of God. So here is the question. If you believe this right here is the very word of God inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to human authors so that we can have God's word to us. It is living and active. It transforms us. Every word of it is true. If we believe that, why on earth are we not obsessed with it? Why are we not crazy about it? Why aren't we in it every single day? Why aren't we chewing it up? Why aren't we memorizing it? Why aren't we quoting it? Why aren't we writing it out? Why aren't we journaling about it? Why isn't it posted in our house, in our car, on our phone, on our background? Why on earth, if we're sitting here saying, I think everything that he said is true, I do believe it's the divinely inspired word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit to human authors as God's word to us. I believe that. Then why don't you love it? Why aren't you crazy about it? Why can't you not get enough of it? My son, we've been battling ear infections for, uh, since we went to Mexico two weeks ago. And he, he's the type of kid, he goes underwater, he gets an ear infection, right? Anyone have that? Anyone, it's just like every time they touch water, we've got an ear infection, right? And he's just, he's that boy. So for two weeks we've been battling it. We had a doctor that gave us eardrops. And so we had these eardrops that would, that would help it, but his ear, I mean, it would swell up in the behind it. We'd get real red, almost purple, really, really bad. And so the other day, he, he came downstairs and he was like, my ear hurts so bad, I can't, I can't lay my head down. Mommy, Daddy, help me. And we were like, okay, let me get the drops. And he said, no, 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 not the drops. We said, why, why don't you want the drops? I said, but do the drops hurt? He said, no, they don't hurt. I said, do they help? He said, yeah, my earache goes away right after I have them. I said, then why don't you want them? And he said, because I can't play my Nintendo Switch like this for 10 minutes. I said, listen, you're hurting. You're in pain. You can't even lay down. And the one thing that's gonna fix it for you you don't want because it's inconvenient? Hey, you're, you're hurting. Your soul is longing for satisfaction. You're angry and can't figure out how to control your anger. Your marriage is in strife. And we're sitting here saying this is God's word, divinely inspired truth to help me live the Christian life that is all satisfying, that is filled with joy, that heals my soul, that gives me direction, that gives me purpose, that defines my identity. And, and what, is it inconvenient? How have we gotten to a place where we have our favorite Instagram personalities with notifications so we know every time that they post. We DVR hours of content and consume every minute. 
and yet say, this is the one thing that can solve my issues and satisfy my soul and heal my brokenness. And we're not familiar with it. We don't know what it is. We don't know, and I'll tell you this, I, and I truly believe this. It's not a biblical illiteracy issue. It's a theological issue. It's a theological issue. Well, biblical illiteracy, nobody's reading the Bible. Okay, I, I mean, I agree with you, but the reason why is we don't know what we have. We don't know what we believe about it. We don't know what we, what we stand on. That's why we have to form a theology about it. John 8, 31 through 32. If Jesus, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will what? It's freedom. It's freedom. It is freedom from everything that you have been battling. Everything that you've been longing and searching for, we have to know what we believe about this book. So in 10 minutes, <laughs> no chance, but in 10 minutes, we're going to form a theology of what we believe about the Bible, how it impacts our heart, and what I practice because of it. Now are you ready? Okay. Here's what we believe about the Bible. This is our internal belief, not, not related to the doctrinal statement, but we believe the Bible is God's word made alive in Christ and comes alive in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. We believe the Bible is God's word to us made alive in Christ and comes alive in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these scriptures from old to new. Deuteronomy 32, 47. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. This is who you are. If you are a Christian, this is who you, you will find your identity, your pedigree, every, where you come from, where you're going, you'll find it right here. It is your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. John 1, 1 through 5. I love this passage when it comes to Scripture. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word, logos, written Word, but the Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Remember, we say the Bible is God's word made alive in Christ. Who became the word? Jesus. And then Jesus left and by the power of the Holy Spirit through the inspired word of God, he instructs us, he teaches us, he leads us. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone, the light shines in the darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. Matthew 5, 17 through 19. This is again, Jesus. Don't misunderstand why I have come. This is so important for us. It's important for us forming a theology about scripture and then talking to somebody about Jesus. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the perfect fulfillment of scripture. I am the perfect fulfillment of everything that you have been taught. 
Everything that you know through your Jewish history, every, I am the perfect, I haven't come to make it go away. I have come to fulfill it. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of scripture. That's why it's impossible for people to say, I follow Jesus but don't believe the Bible. Jesus is the Bible. He is the living word. He is the word was in the beginning with God. The word came alive through Christ. The word is inspired through the Holy Spirit. You can't have one or the other. It comes with both. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize, again, this is Paul, that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. When the Bible is suggestion, it loses all its power. When the Bible is mere suggestion, it loses all its power. When the Bible is God's word, it becomes my life. When I believe the Bible is God's word, it becomes my life. I believe, and when I believe it, then I'll let it do something in me. I, I, uh, I was having some health challenges. Ever since 2020, um, I, was, I was just not myself. I didn't, couldn't figure out what was going on. And finally, uh, we had reached a point as a family where it was like, okay, I need to go to a professional. And I researched the very best in men's health. And I found him, and I went to him, and I, I did blood work, and, and he, he took all kinds of blood work and tests and samples and everything else. And then he came back to me. I had, a, I had a consult with him six weeks later. And when I sat down with him, he looked at me, and he said, man, you're a mess. I was like, I kind of figured that much, right? I can feel it, man. And he said, no. He said, like, like you're a mess. He said, your blood sugar right now is pre-diabetic. You're close to type 2 diabetes. He said, your thyroid is an absolute disaster. Half of your hormones are non-existent in your body. He said, you're in bad shape. And I'm like, eh, Oreos, I'll cut those out for a little bit. And, and he's like, no. And there, there came this moment where he and I were sitting there, and, and he looked at me, and he said, no, you need to understand something. He said, heart disease, stroke, this can cost you your life. And I thought, oh, it's not like having COVID, right? Or maybe it is, I don't know. But it's, it's like, wow, this is, this is really, really serious. He's like, this won't go away unless you fix some things. So I, I fixed some things. I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I lost, I've lost 20 pounds, and all of my numbers now are clinical, which, yeah, you don't need to clap about that. I don't need, well, okay, I'd like a little bit, maybe. I, no. but, I, but I'm just telling you, he, here is, he's, he's the one to be applauded. You know what I did? You know what I did? exactly what he told me to do, to the T, exactly what he told me to do, every single thing, to cutting out sugars, to cutting out carbs, to getting on the right supplements, to taking the right medications, at the right times, throughout the right window, I did exactly what he told me to do, why? Because he's an expert, and when I believed that he was the expert voice, I believed that what he said could help me. How much more do we have the expert advice on faith? You don't need me, you need scripture. You don't, don't trust me, trust this. This is what we need, this is the most expert advice and when we believe it is the word of God and we prioritize it as the word of God, we will follow and live out what it calls us to do. Okay, 
orthopathy. Man, can you tell I was off a week? I'm all wound up and I got way too much content. Um, Here's what we do, orthopathy. How does this impact my heart? When I believe the Bible is the word of God, I allow it to change me. I allow the Bible to change me. John 10, 35, if he called them gods to whom the word was given, listen to this, this is Jesus. Scripture cannot be broken. We can't break this up and take what we want and leave what we don't. Psalm 19, 7, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, 160 says, the very essence of your words is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. Proverbs 35 through 6 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all to come to him for protection. Do not add to his words or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. When I believe the Bible is the word of God. That doesn't mean that I change the Bible to match my feelings. It means I change my feelings to match the Bible. When the Bible is the word of God, I don't change the Bible to match what I feel. I match what I feel to the Bible. I change my feelings. Listen, this is, this is tough because we live in a world that's driven by feeling. We live in a world that is so driven by feeling that, fe- that truth has been replaced with feeling. Now it is how you feel, right? And feelings, let me, let me let you in on a secret really quick, okay? Feelings lie. Feelings lie. They will lie to you. They will deceive you. And they will lead you to places you never wanted to go and cause you to do things you never wanted to do because feelings lie. So if we, you you can't fix feeling with feeling. You fix feeling with truth. You, You will not resolve your feelings with another feeling. You can't just change how you feel. I'm gonna tell you a funny story and look, we need to be empathetic and we need to be gracious and we need to be merciful and we need to be loving and we need to be kind. We also just need to have truth. I'll show you why. I was at Marshall's the other day and I was pushing stroller and we had Zadok in there and Anna was gonna try on some clothes and Anna went to the dressing room and I was following her and there was a a door there that was kinda like the family dressing room but it was on the women's side and so Anna went over there and she went in and I started to go in and the woman said, oh no, sir, 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 wait, uh, that's the women's side. And I jokingly, jokingly said, well, what if I identify as a female right now? (laughs) I know, right? I was, and I was totally just messing around and she was like, well, then maybe like, uh, like so caught off guard. So caught off, like, just like, (laughs) and Anna was like, really? I was like, I'm playing around. I'm just joking. I want to just have some, but you, you know what I was waiting for her to do? You know what I was waiting for her to do? 
tell me the truth. Look at me and say, you're an idiot. You're, you're not, that's not true. But we're so caught right now in feeling that we're like, well, if that's the feeling, and like I said, we need to be gracious, we need to be merciful, we need to be empathetic, but we don't give up truth for feeling. We have to take what we feel, put it up against truth, and answer what does God say, not what do I feel. We have to do it. Let's finish here. Orthopath, or orthopraxy, sorry. Why don't I just say it normal? How does it change what I do, right? How does scripture change what I do? I believe, my belief is it's the word of God. Changes my heart because now I allow it to change me. This is the very word of God, so have your way within my heart. Do what you need to do. Here is our orthopraxy. I do everything the Bible says to do. I don't do anything the Bible forbids. And I seek the scriptures, prayer, the Holy Spirit, and godly counsel where I don't understand. Read it again. I do everything the Bible says to do. This is what I do when I believe the Bible is the word of God. I allow it to change my life. I'm going to do everything it says to do. I'm, going to do. I'm not going to do anything the Bible forbids. And I'm going to seek the scriptures, prayer, and the Holy Spirit, and godly counsel where I don't understand. This is really important when we talk about a theology of scripture. There's two things called eisegesis and exegesis. Very, you, can, you can listen to the words and know exodus, exegesis. Exegesis is when you take the Bible and you read what it says and you take what it says and you apply it to your life, right? You are excavating. You are exiting something out of this and to you. Eisegesis is when I read the Bible and I ice, I insert. I insert into it what I want it to mean and what I want it to say, right? It's misinterpretation, it is, man, there is this guy on Instagram that drove me absolutely, and that's why I'm deleting social media. I just cannot, I can't stand it anymore. It drives me crazy. It's a guy who was taking a passage of scripture on a topic, and he would take the passage, contextualize away all application. This was 2,000 years ago, and now, and then he would drop some Jewish history, and he you know, Jews did this, and Gentiles did this, and then he'd say, you know, so you thought it said this, but I say to you, and he'd totally say something opposite. And then you do it again, and you do it again. And here's the challenge. If you look up every verse on the topic, it says the exact same thing. And he's saying the opposite, that's called eisegesis. That's not scripture interpretation, that's scripture manipulation. That's taking it and saying, I want it to say this, so I'll isolate this, we interpret scripture with scripture, right? And we follow the continuity of the entire book of the Bible. When you make application, you better make sure that's what the entire Bible says right? So you, you, you have to understand, in other words, you have to understand exactly what it says. You have to know what the Bible actually says and not what somebody says about it. Romans 8, 7 through 8 says, for this sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under their sinful nature can never please God. Why? Because they're not doing what God's word says, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit 
It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Ezra 7 verse 10. Ezra was the priest who transformed Israel coming back into their land after the gates and the temple had been destroyed. This was because, this is how he did it. Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. My son, Canaan, he is, uh, he and I are the errand boys. Whenever mama needs something, he and I, we hop in the truck, we hop in the van, and we run and we get it. And Canaan loves to roll the windows down and jam. I'm talking music cranked all the way up. Kid loves to party. You know what's coming. And one of his favorite artists, one of our favorite secret obsessions is Bad Bunny. Who knows Bad Bunny? Who's familiar with Bad Bunny? Some of you know who Bad Bunny is. Don't go listen to Bad Bunny after this, okay? Bad Bunny is a Puerto Rican rapper. He raps in Spanish, right? But man, it just, it slaps, right? It's really loud. It's, it's great. I love it. So we listen to Bad Bunny. The other day, we're, yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, the old guy said slaps on stage. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dad of three, cut me some slack, right? So we're driving the van, listen to this. We're in the van, we got Bad Bunny, Blaze, and it, it, the song was uh, Titi Me Pregunta, right? Or Pregunto, right? So we're, we got Spotify on, it's at 36, the max is 40, and it's just boom, 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 and the windows are down, and Kanan is flowing. He knows the lyrics, selfie, say cheese, and he's all doing all these little dances and everything. He's got Bad Bunny down, right? And it's all, like I said, it's in Spanish. We got no idea what's going on, but it sounds cool, right? So we pull up to, we're at Sam's Club, and we're going to get gas. And we pull around the corner, and there is this Hispanic family, and there's this mom and this dad, and the dad is putting some kids in the, the car, and the mom has the basket, and we roll down, and Bad Bunny is banging in the car, right? And when we pull back, and Canaan is sitting there, he's he knows all the words and everything else. He doesn't know what he's saying, but he knows the words. And this family, the, the kids, the kids were like lit up a little bit, and the mom was like this, and then she just, I'm talking, stared the stare of death at us, was just I'm looking at just and looked at her husband, and he was just like this. And they're probably thinking, "What are these two white people doing? What is it? This little blonde-haired six-year-old wrapping Bad Bunny out the side of a minivan, right? Like, what is that?" And so I was like, "Man, what is their problem, right? What, what's she mad about?" And then I started thinking to myself, "You know, I don't really know what he says." <laughs> Maybe I should Google the lyrics and translate them into English. So I did. And in this particular song, Bad Bunny's rapping about all the girlfriends that he has that he's sleeping with and then taking to the VIP to having them take a picture together. Selfie, say cheese. Yeah, right? And then I started thinking to myself, wow. <laughs> now I understand. Right? Bad Bunny. Will, and you know, what the, you know what the crazy thing is? You know who told me Bad Bunny was great? Andy and Annie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, trust them. Bet it's great. They're corrupting my children in Spanish. 
and we don't even know what's happening, right? But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? When you know what it actually says, it will change what you do with it. When you know what this says, when you actually know what this says, I promise you it'll change your life. It will change what you do. It will change what you say. It will change how you act. It will change your daily disciplines. It will change your marriage. It will change your family. It will change your kids. It will change your attitude. It will change your perspective. It will change your purpose. It will transform your identity when you believe this is the word of God and you allow it to change you and you actually know what it says. It will change everything about your life for the good. You will look back on your life and say, the greatest thing I did was consume the word of God. 